0: Ladies, good evening.
1: Hello. Hello, ladies. I like That <laughs> feels like a start to a song.
0: we partying. How's everybody doing?
1: Hmm. Mm. You know, COVID free so far. Busy day today. Yeah. It felt like I was just bogged down with work.
0: She's What's working hard. The
1: word bogged mean? Uh,. I think I know it from my mom. I think
0: when I now don't quote me on the um like on the de- the definition, you know, because I don't know that. But I feel like whenever I hear people say it, they're kind of saying like, I'm weighed down by like a lot of things at once. Like I got a lot, a lot going yeah, on.
2: That's that's what it means.
1: Yeah. Being like weighed Ugh. down or like slowed down. Yes. Alyssa down. Webster dictionary. That I is what. Th- Thank you.
0: That's what they call me, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I, I, do, I was bogged.
0: <laughs> I only know the definition <laughs> of, of one word by memory because when I was in the third grade, we had this program at my elementary school called Grand Friends. And um, it was where our grandparents would, like, be assigned to different classrooms, and they would come read to us and, like, bring cookies and stuff. Cute. And my grandma was a grand friend. And we had this like luncheon for the grand friends one time, and it was me and one other person whose grandparent was a grand friend. And one of us had to know the definition of grand, and the other had to know the definition of friend to say oh. it at the luncheon. We got up and said it in front of everybody. And uh, oh my gosh! So I know the definition of friend.
1: Well, g- give us give it a go.
0: Yeah, uh, I got up and I said, "Friend." A person whom one knows well and is fond of. An ally, a supporter, or a sympathizer.
1: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and uh, to this day, I still remember that. So, there you have it.
1: That was beautiful. Thank you. And I liked you. it. And yeah. I wish that definition went a little deeper.
0: You know, I think the definition <laughs> has evolved over time because the last time I, like, thought about this, I looked it up and it looked a little bit different. Um, but yeah, you know, definitions change over the years. They do edit them. So, yeah. Yeah. I had
1: no idea. Cause like,
0: you know, they got to add new words and things. True. So
1: pretty fun stuff. Tight. Fun facts for the start of the episode.
0: Yeah. Um, I have had a crazy week though. And I think it is in preparation for something I'm doing after we record tonight, which is uh, my mentor has given us assignment to have a sort of reading with one of our other classmates over zoom. And I have that tonight. And right after I found out about the assignment activity started picking up around me. So last week I was awoken twice In the same day by someone whispering in my ear the name Sam Harrison. What What the heck? So I've tried to look this person up. None of it's connecting. I don't know who this person is. And I told my mentor about it. She was like, you got to figure it out. And then the next day I got woken up by someone whispering the name. It was either Doris or Dolores. Mm -hmm. But it was like kind of quick. And it woke me up. So then, that was like Wednesday and Thursday of last week, I think. Then Saturday evening, we um, went to a friend's backyard to sit around like a, a bonfire of sorts. And I went in their house to wash my hands, and um. All of a sudden, I was just overcome by, like, I don't even know what it was, but I felt so dizzy. And then all of these voices were like fighting over each other to talk to me. And I was so, (laughs) I was so overwhelmed that I was like, I have to leave. Like, I have to step outside. I can't continue to be in this house. But I asked my friends, like, hey, has anything weird ever happened in your house? And um, he was like, yeah, usually when I'm here alone, I really feel like there's someone else here. And a couple times, like, the doors have opened or closed on their own or I've thought I've seen someone walk by me. Um, but he was like, it's not like particularly spooky, but it definitely feels like there is someone here. And he was like, if you ever want to come mm-hmm. back, like just by yourself when no one else is here, you totally can. So I do it. Yeah, I'm gonna go back at some point and you know, try to talk to whoever is there one one at a time though, because right. there were there were voices fighting over each other to talk. So I don't know. I don't know if it is in any way related to my assignment um, from my mentor or if it's just like I'm having some sort of awakening. But it has been a wild and crazy week. So Mm
1: -hmm. that's what's happening. Well, we cannot wait to hear about how it goes down tonight and if any of those connections are made.
0: Yeah. 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 Or keep y'all posted. You know Please, I will. I hope you
2: can figure out who uh, Sammy Harrison is.
0: I know. Sure. I found. I found like a bunch of obituaries. Obviously, because it's not like a, the most uncommon name you've ever heard before. But yeah, none of them, yeah. like when I looked at them, their faces, you know, didn't say anything to me. I feel like when I know, I'll know. You know, like yeah. So we'll we'll just see. But we um,
1: and we're a hundred percent certain Steve hasn't been turning over and whispering
0: <laughs> I know, right? That's what Steve said. He was like, "Was he talking in my sleep?" And I was like, "No." Both times it woke me up. You were dead ass asleep, like because Steve did used to be a sleep talker. He doesn't really do it that much anymore. A few weeks ago, he did say, "I'm hungry" at like three <laughs> thirty in the morning. And I was like, "No, you're not. Go to sleep." <laughs> but um I
1: love a sleep talker y'all I love that
0: (laughs) when we first started dating he really did it a lot I think he's like now used to sharing in bed with someone and his brain has like kind of learned to shut it off in some way but one time (laughs) we were like we were newly dating and he said in his sleep hola me amo Mr. Wiggles. No,
1: he didn't.
2: <laughs> E2.
0: He was I speaking said, to
2: the uh, Latina side of you.
0: Yeah, I was like, okay. <laughs> Go off, king. He did a sp- full <laughs> sentence in Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hola, me amo I, Mr. Wiggles, E2. I love that. Did you him. respond? I said... <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked. I d- I don't know if I said anything, but it was pretty freaking wild.
1: Kylie would be the one to just turn over and start talking to them.
0: I know. I feel like I was like, oh yeah. I feel like I was like, are you awake? And he clearly wasn't. But yeah, <laughs> oh. we have fun. We love to laugh. Well, uh, yeah. So cool. We're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa, Kylie, Emily, and it's time to get spooky. Ooh. Ooh. Another great app. Another fun one for you. This week we're heading to Illinois. All right. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: We're doing it big. we d- with
2: Sufyan Stevens.
0: Yeah, we're doing it right. Um. So we talked about illinois before it was kind of like already on the road map to talk about it but then we did the like haunted road trip for matthew and Kristen, and illinois would be a good spot for them to stop off so i thought great for them but then also one of our very sweet listeners kimberly reached out and was like can y'all please cover Illinois? I just moved here. I'm like trying mm. to get comfortable and I want to know about the haunts. Um oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. That'll and make you comfy.
0: Kimberly is a super <laughs> <laughs> right? Kimberly is a super talented artist. Um, so y'all need to follow Kimberly on Instagram at Kimberly Sugar Art. You're gonna be blown away. But
2: Oh yes.
0: Yeah, so good, but so talented. And I was like, we got to We got to put something together so the people know what's what in Illinois and they can mm-hmm. go get haunted at their at their leisure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I can kick it off because I have one that I'm very excited about. And it's got to be passionate. I'm really I'm actually really That's excited about here. it. This yeah. is like one of the coolest locations I think I've researched recently um, just cause it's got like a cool history. The owner was into some spooky stuff. So this is the Dana house or the Dana Thomas house in Springfield, Illinois. So it was actually designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, which was immediately yes. like, that's why I was drawn to it initially. And then the more I looked into it, I was like, oh. This place is cool, but it's located in the heart of Springfield's historical district. So it was built for one of Springfield's most prominent citizens, Mrs. Susan Lawrence Dana. And while the quote official word on the place is that it's not haunted, like the staff and volunteers and people who are involved with it are strongly discouraged from talking about its hauntings. A lot of weird stuff has gone on throughout the years. Um, Mm. So it is haunted. People just aren't allowed to say that. Mm. So um, the house also provides the city with a link to the history of the supernatural and a connection to those who communicated with the dead. So we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But it's pretty cool. So construction of the home began in 1902 so she's an old one and upon its completion became a symbol of culture and high society in the city. So this was like it the house is really cool looking. Um we'll absolutely post a picture because everyone's going to lose their minds but
1: high society. High
0: society.
1: High society. High society. A- There was a
2: Viner who I think was from Boston. Do y'all remember Vine? Yeah. And he had like
1: a little (laughs) skit where he would go, high society. Oh. It just makes me think of the movie High Society with Grace Kelly being Crosby and Frank Sinatra. I could.
0: A classic.
1: That
2: makes more sense. An ultimate
0: Classic. (laughs) (laughs) So following a series of tragic losses for Dana, the house managed to provide her with a distraction and a purpose in life. And it was also a memorial to the man whose money created it, her father, R.D. Lawrence. So his death Mm. actually hit her really hard and hit the family really hard, but it also left her with a lot of freedom and a big chunk of change because he was pretty well off. The family, like I said, was a prominent family in the area. So as the new head of household, she decided to build this grand home for the family, which now consisted of her mother, her grandmother, who ended up passing away in 1902, and her cousin Flora. Um and she was searching for prestigious architects. She was she initially was like, okay, Springfield. It didn't, no one there spoke to her. So she looked towards Chicago, the big city. And she found Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm. So Wright and his staff were actually really intrigued by her ideas and they agreed to it. And she brought them onto the project and they completed the house in 1904. But she was exhausted over this project, but super excited about the house. But knowing how much money she was spending building it, she started to doubt her decisions and um just kind of worried that she was wasting her money on this one single house so to quell her fears she decided to try and get in touch with her deceased father to get his approval or at Great least
1: idea, right mm-hmm. and
0: i'm like yeah. you know if that's the first place her mind goes okay you know go off right but um she was looking for approval or maybe advice regarding her affairs So she contacted a medium who actually got in touch with her father and it was said that he expressed his delight with the new house. He loved it, thought she was making a great decision, was, you know, making a a big move in her life and it was something that she really needed.
1: Mm -hmm. Cute. I love that. Anytime I'm stressed, I do a seance.
0: Anytime. And that is is what Miss Mm -hmm. Susan Lawrence Dana did. So this was <laughs> this was actually when she began to realize the endless possibilities of spiritualism and contact with the other side and this was at the height of the spiritualist movement. So she wasn't seen as an eccentric. People were like this is all well and cool and normal, which we love that. Um It was actually widely held and regarded for many years. And some of the leaders of spiritualism, which I know we talked about this in the past with the Fox sisters who who had their little (laughs) games that they were playing with people. But some of the leaders included influential people of the 1800s and early 1900s, including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Washington Irving, and Henry, Henry Longfellow, among a bunch of other people. So
2: it was yeah, hip, it high was... High society. High society.
0: <laughs> um, so she started hosting these lavish parties, both for seances and otherwise, um, during the holiday season in 1904, when the house was first completed. And, um, you know, these things, they stressed her out, Right. She and her family were tired after all these holidays she threw on. Holidays she threw on? Parties she threw? Anyway. Okay. (laughs) So the season took its toll on Susan and her mother. And they traveled to the Caribbean that winter. And they relaxed in the Bahamas. And then they went to Jacksonville in Palm Beach, Florida. And when they were on a train to Savannah, Georgia, Susan's mother suffered a heart attack and died.
2: No.
0: Yes. Oh my God. So her life was now in chaos, and she just felt like she was spinning out of control, basically. She'd lost, you know, the closest people to her, her mother and father. And in desperation, she turned again to the spirit world. And she started those seances up with a vigor, let me tell you. She started holding them in her house on a regular basis and many of the guests were the elite of local society. She would consult the spirits about many things, including asking for advice on financial matters and personal affairs. But most of the questions involved money because she never seemed to be able to grasp just how to handle it for herself. And honestly, same um so maybe she
1: needed a financial advice
0: <laughs> yeah so maybe um maybe she should have picked one that was living but you know she can't go back she can only move right. forward so she she was going through it and after several failed marriages and the passing of two infant children with her first husband she focused on herself and she became an advocate for women's rights And she actively participated in a suffrage movement. So she was like kind of a badass.
1: Yo, she actually sounds super tight.
0: Yeah. That's why I was like, when I started looking into her, I was like, I have to do this one. Like the house.
1: sounds cool. The house throws a bunch of seance parties. Like I know you're stressed, but I love you for this.
0: The house drew me in. Yeah, we're here for it. But she was like the selling point. Yeah. So during this time, she also continued her pursuit of the unknown. She collected a massive library of books on the occult, spirit contact, psychic healing, metaphysics, all of that good stuff. And um, her circle of other Springfield knowledge seekers often gathered in her home, and they would call themselves the Springfield Society of Applied Psychology. And they later became known as the Lawrence Metaphysical Center in 1924. So she really took this thing for a run. Three years later, in 1927, they moved their meetings to a building downtown that was like specifically for their, their research.
1: The Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sadly, though, her declining health and poor handling of her money caused her to eventually have to give up her home um, and it was sold to Charles C. Thomas, which is why it's now called the Dana Thomas House. Who was a book publisher? She sold it for seventeen thousand five hundred dollars in nineteen forty-three. What a deal! What a steal of a deal!
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, we know how much those houses go for now. I mean, honestly, seventeen five in today's money is probably
1: yeah. I a, feel like that's a lot, <laughs> a good
0: chunk of change. But I wish I had done the math on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway though uh she passed away on february 20th 1946 and it was said that she was lucid and aware of her surroundings but she just she perished and then charles it was her time it was her time uh charles thomas who had purchased a home from her died in august of 1968 but his company that he housed there stayed in the house for another 10 years until the state took possession of the home in 1981. And they started a three-year project to restore it to its 1910 condition. So they made it look like what it looked like back then. They were actually able to um, get back a lot of the original furniture that had been sold in auctions and whatnot um, when they were clearing out the house. So a lot of that stuff is still there today. But what about the ghosts? That's what you're thinking mm-hmm. at this point, right? Although they they hotly deny it in official statements that this place is haunted, there have been tons of reports of strange occurrences in the house over the years. How could there not be? How many people do you think she contacted, you know? Mm-hmm. So Springfield newspapers reporting on the home tell of strange sounds in the house, like footsteps, hands clapping... Don't know what that's all Ooh, about we love it. Uh, <laughs> and these have been heard in an otherwise empty building so like one person will be there and hear that and they're like, who the okay, Ooh. applause, applause. okay, let's do it. <laughs> On one occasion, which actually happened to be the anniversary of Susan Lawrence Dana's death, a light sconce suddenly flew off the wall without explanation, which sounds dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> a staff member in this story was quoted as saying, it's a standing joke among us that Susan still walks the halls watching over the house that she loved. It now actually operates as a museum that you can tour. Um, and witnesses have seen a lot. So they have also heard humming voices. They've seen curtains moving on their own. A chair was thrown down the stairs. People have felt extreme cold spots. And a woman's apparition wearing black has been seen on numerous occasions. A lot of people believe that the woman is Susan Lawrence Dana herself, which it probably is. Um, Reports also say that these hauntings are known to happen on specific days. Usually Dana's birthday, the day her mother died, hmm. or the days of the three funerals that were held in the home back in the day. So Interesting. It, it would all make sense. It's all lining up. Mm-hmm. So I, I found a few um, things that people who had visited wrote about their time there. So someone visited in 2018 and shared this little tidbit. As our group was filing through the second floor master bedroom area, I was the last in line. We next entered into a smaller adjoining room, which we were told by the guide was the nursery. Sadly, both of the babies born to the original owner and her first husband had died in infancy. After our group left the room, I lingered behind for a few moments to look at the christening gown, which the babies never wore and still had the price tag. Oh, my heart breaks.
2: That's really sad.
0: Suddenly, I was overcome by an intense feeling of sadness and sorrow. I felt a deep heaviness in my chest and felt like there was someone standing behind me, paired with a strong urge to leave the room, so I proceeded to do so. However, our group was moving slowly, and I had to wait in the doorway for others to move forward, feeling claustrophobic and anxious. Finally, I was able to leave the room and felt like I was being followed down the hallway. I kept looking behind me and had a strong sense that someone or something was standing in the doorway. The sadness lingered with me for the remaining tour, and it was not until I exited the house that I felt relief. As a footnote, I pulled our guide aside and told her what I had experienced, and she confirmed that a psychic medium who had been there previously had indicated the nursery area is indeed haunted. Mm -hmm. They always are. They always are baby ghosts are spooky baby ghosts another they're guest not a nursery oh yeah something something that just ain't quite right you know
1: it's the name
0: <laughs> a nursery it's the name a nursery
1: yes
0: mm. and another ghost shared another ghost jesus h christ shared this short short <laughs> story it was a guest not a ghost oh we hope they're not a ghost we hope they're still with us <laughs> Some friends of mine told me the place was haunted, so we went and sat outside the building. We saw a see-through woman standing in the window in a nightgown with her hair blowing around. The windows had fogged up as if someone had taken a shower, leaving condensation on the glass. We took the tour the next day and discovered that the window we saw her in was Susan Lawrence's bedroom. There were about five of us Mm -hmm. that saw her there the day prior."
1: Wow, you know, at first I thought you said she was in a see-through gown in a foggy window, and I was like, "This is a sexy scene." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: no, her whole person was yeah, see-through. It was,
1: she was transparent. <laughs> yeah, still sexy. If still you're society, sexy. You know, Sarah. I
0: love a transparent relationship. Yeah, yeah. transparency—it's key. Key. But uh, that's <laughs> a fun key. one. I mean, uh, I'm going to go there someday. And yeah. if anyone has I've, been there or is going to go there freaking send us pics let us know. I love Susan. Yeah.
2: Mhm mhm mhm. I think yes. she's cool. We love it. Super cool. We love it. So there you have it. Cool.
0: The Dana House. Springfield. Where we
2: have it? I've got a kind of a, a kind of a quirky one
0: if you want. I love it.
2: We're going over to Elgin. Illinois. Hello. I know there's an, Isn't there an Elgin, Texas?
0: Yeah, it's pretty, pretty close. Elgins. Pretty close to Austin.
2: Cool, cool. So we're gonna go to Elgin Casket Company. Oh, something I don't think of often is, you know, the the companies and manufacturers that make caskets. I guess maybe it's something I should think about in these trying times. But here we are. So Right now, it's abandoned, and we're going to get to what it's become in a few, but this building and factory was built in 1890, and it was built on top of a an overcrowded cemetery, and by that I mean people really wanted to build in this location, and they were like, you know what? Let's just dig up some of these bodies and move them elsewhere. Oh which, my gosh. As we know, has never ended well for anyone ever, including the, including the bodies. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Usually
2: this, you know, wakes up spirits and angers them. And it's almost a guarantee that whatever's built on top of that area is going to be haunted. So Elgin casket company, it was originally Elgin silver plate and it was acquired in 1926 by a competitor, Western casket hardware uh, and it was that was on the east side of elgin and in 1939 uh, the name was officially changed to elgin metal casket company so this is like the best of the best in terms of caskets they produced caskets uh, in steel stainless steel bronze and copper rather than you know the usual wood uh, and during their prime, they shipped over like seventy thousand caskets throughout the country. They're known for providing a casket uh, for the body of John F. Kennedy uh, when it was transported from Dallas to Washington after that's his a, assassination that's a good in sixty-three it's yeah it's a pretty big deal Mm -hmm. and then um also president calvin coolidge former president was also buried in an elegant casket so it's they're a pretty big deal you know they're pretty big deal Uh, but going back to when it was acquired and name was changed holly not even months later did the spooky stuff start so i want to say it was like three weeks after the name changed to Elgin Casking Company, five mutilated bodies found in the basement storage area.
0: Mutilated?
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, So it's like, okay, this wasn't wasn't an accident. (laughs) It's not just one dead body. It's five mutilated bodies. And the case was never solved. Um, Oh my God. I don't know if there's just, if maybe it was swept under the rug or it just, it wasn't really investigated, but it's, it's a cold case right now to this day. There was also a mysterious cyanide spill from the factory in 1977, um, which resulted in the city having to close the river and it was a whole big mess. Elegant casting company was fined for endangering basically everyone in the city. Um, they still don't really know what caused that, but it was very strange, very mysterious. Uh, between 1949 and 1982, there were numerous reports of, uh, I guess you can say escapees from nearby from a nearby mental institution. Um, and they were seen on the grounds of the factory, um, but then were never... never found so they escaped were seen at the factory and then never heard from again or seen so maybe they continued their escape beyond or maybe something went down we don't know there were also uh, multiple multiple reports of groups of figures uh, dressed in cloaks which is very strange like oh hey did you see that group of cloaked individuals this morning like oh yes sir hi society (laughs) (laughs) so it is believed by visiting psychics and mediums um, as well as um, previous tenants and employees that um, the factory was actually used by cults to perform rituals and ceremonies and that a certain area of the factory is an actual portal to hell. Oh, not another one! <laughs> no. <laughs> so this this cult activity may explain the the group of cloaked individuals. Yeah, I was. Um, that's definitely you know a a red flag or a black cloak in this scenario. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm turning into a dad more and more every day. <laughs> so David Scott who is a paranormal filmmaker based out of Chicago. Um, He's also a director of an online series called Believe, A Paranormal Experience. He investigated the uh, Elgin Kaskin Company with his team um, following an invite from a psychic medium, Chris Fleming. So they communicated with several spirits during an EVP session. They communicated with a young child. They heard from a female spirit who said her name was Tara Lee, not to be confused with Sarah Lee, which or, is a delicious yeah, snack. Yeah, or Tara Reed, or Tara Reed, also <laughs> was a delicious that's, snack. That's what yes. I was going to say.
0: It uh, was Tara Reed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Another spirit admitted to murder, specifically a gunshot murder that occurred decades prior. So that's that's a that's pretty intense to hear and. They, so I'm going to share an excerpt from David Scott's article covering the investigation because it's just, it's too much. It's too, it's Mm. too good to not just share it with you directly. Okay. Our final experiment took place on the lower level inside of the boiler room. Chris was conducting an EVP, EVP session. John and I were assisting in filming Chris using digital dowsing's SLS Cam. Chris began to speak to the spirits about their awareness of being dead when a figure slowly began to manifest itself on the screen of the SLS cam. I knew exactly what I was looking for as I had joined an investigation in which Bill Chapel had initially tested out the Xbox Kinect sensor in a haunted environment. And then he, he links the video to that, which is something we can share if anyone's interested. Directly before the spirit popped up on the screen... We received an EVP response, which told Chris, I'm behind you.
0: No correlation
2: between (laughs) the correlation between this EVP and the entity on the SLS cam is astonishing. Two forms of evidence of an intelligent entity side by side is groundbreaking. The spirit seemed to be dangling from Chris's voice recorder its stick figure legs and arms hanging lifelessly while its head appeared to be buried inside of the microphone. What? This was absolutely incredible. That's very poetic, by the way. (laughs) This was absolutely incredible. I have talked with so many spirits using electronic voice phenomena, but to actually see it happening was quite the rush. I asked the spirit if it could move its arms or legs or wave at me. To my surprise, the spirit jumped up and appeared to turn towards me. It then began to kick its legs and jump off of the microphone
1: and fly up the wall and away. Well, 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 that's not what I asked to do.
0: I, I don't appreciate all this arm and leg movement. They need to really... <laughs> shut it down
2: yeah too many appendages just <laughs> remain a blob okay please
1: i mean especially when you just ask for a little twirl and a wave you know and you're gonna do yeah, a whole yeah. j- jib jab chance for me right like a whole- <laughs> get out of here what
2: is this darren's dance group oh, yeah. chris remained calm as he had not witnessed what we saw on the screen the rest of us gasped in excitement as we knew what we had just captured So far, this device has done nothing but impress me. I said it back in 2012 when I first used it, and I'll say it again. This device is going to change the way we hunt ghosts. We confirmed that the spirits we spoke with were intelligent before appearing on the screen in front of us and hanging itself off of Chris's voice recorder. So, I mean, if that's not a good sell for that cam, I don't know what is. (laughs) It really
1: was. I want one.
2: (laughs) He's like, bye now. (laughs) So in the Elgin casket Company was eventually abandoned in nineteen eighty two and it was moved to Indiana. So since nineteen eighty two it's just been, you know, this empty haunted giant vessel. Um and it has turned into a haunted house called Evil Intentions. Um hmm. this it what's funny is is that people say that this is a haunted, haunted house, which isn't something we hear of often. Uh, the owner Mike, as well as many employees, they have of course heard voices, um, been physically affected by, you know, invisible forces. Whether it was you know being scratched or pushed, uh, they, people have seen shadow figures. Um, visitors have also reported sightings of shadow figures in the main hallway. Uh, women, female visitors, have also been scratched, pulled, and pushed and even bitten in the mannequin room, which is a room that's connected to what was once a room used as a church. So that's frightening. Um, <sighs> in, the, <laughs> in the chainsaw hallway bait in the basement. Uh-uh. Um, it's named this because during the haunted house season, this is the area that guests have to make it through when someone, you know, jumps out with the horrible chainsaw. Uh. We know it well for those who have been to a very interactive haunted house. Um, apparently in the first year of operation, the employee that was assigned to the chainsaw hallway had so many paranormal things happen to to them that they put the chainsaw down and left and never came back
0: (laughs) like i'm out i'm done i can't do haunted houses and people are always shocked to hear that because they're like you love spooky stuff and i'm like i don't like that kind of spooky stuff no yeah you don't you don't like jump scares it's particularly the chainsaws that freak me out the most and
1: Yeah. yeah
0: i i everyone's like there's not a chain on them and i'm like I don't care. One time when I went to a haunted house when I was in, like, middle school or early high school, there was a chainsaw maze, and I don't know... I think I thought I was, like, hot (laughs) shit because this guy that I thought was cute was with us, so I was like, I have to do it. No. One of the people, like, touched my leg with the chainsaw, and it, like, burned through my jeans. See? Because the metal is still hot because it's, like, running for, you know... However long, the metal still gets warm. It could still (laughs) injure you. It literally uh, ripped through my pants.
1: Those places are dangerous. I mean, those are real people trying to spook you. Like Linda (laughs) kicked somebody in the crotch one time. I love it.
0: When I was a kid, my mom would put me in front of her at haunted houses thinking like they wouldn't scare her because she had a kid. And I'm like,
1: they don't care who is walking through. Right. Like no, they don't. My friend to, walked in holding one person's hand, walked out holding another person's hand. <laughs> What's that? You don't want that kind of crime.
0: No. You know? That kind of crime.
1: Seriously. I Yeah, I don't mess with it.
0: My biggest fear is that someone who's legitimately unwell is going to, like, get a job there and yep. actually kill people.
2: hmm
0: And yeah. that freaks me the fuck out. Wasn't so. there...
2: There was something, I forget where, but it was a few months ago. Someone, it wasn't even an employee. It was just some crazy person that went in there and started stabbing people. You no. Know, oh, no. See, I, I see
0: absolutely yeah. the fuck not. Yeah.
2: No, but wow. yeah, there there we have it. So if you live near Elgin, go visit the Elgin, inten- the Elgin, the evil intentions <laughs> haunted haunted house and let us know.
0: There was another haunted haunted house that I had looked up for Illinois, and now I can't remember the name of it—Ravens something. Mm. But apparently, there's a lot of haunted haunted houses there. So interesting. Good for them. Yeah, good
2: for them, Kimberly. You let us know if you go to this one. If if anything out of the ordinary
0: happens, yes.
2: Tell us,
1: baby. Well, uh, also. Once you're done checking that place out, make your way on over to old Chicago because there's this place called the Alley of Death. And I need to know if it's truly as spooky as it sounds.
0: Tell us.
1: Tell us. Apparently, it's on this little strip called Couch Place, and it sits behind the legendary James M. Nederlander Theater. Ooh. Yeah, it's a real hard last name to say. Niederlander <laughs> Theater. Yeah. Originally or formally known, not originally, excuse me, formerly known as the Oriental Theater, served a lot of patrons back in the day, my, fa- my, my fellow ghostly. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's a long night, isn't it? Anyways, it served a lot of patrons. At some, to name a few. Fanny Bryce. You know her?
0: Fanny? I don't know her, but I love her name.
1: Wait, you don't know her? (laughs) I don't think so. She's that, wasn't it that film, The Funny Girl? Isn't that based (gasps) off of
0: Fanny? I'm
1: pretty sure. Uh, People like George Burns.
0: Okay. Eddie
1: Cantor, Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald gene harlow oh, wow. all these people have gone through it, through these stores but you guys before it was the oriental theater it was the iroquois theater
0: oh and something really mm-hmm. tragic
1: happened there
0: yeah i know this story
1: do you know this story yeah i didn't know this story and i was like oh wow they don't talk about it a lot apparently they try to keep this like a little secret because they don't want people to get spooked.
0: Well, but they he- will be yeah. when they yeah, hear this. It.
1: I'm about to. I'm about to turn it up. <laughs> turn up so, the spook. Yep. In 1903, you guys, this theater, the Iroquois Theater, was hastily constructed, and it shouldn't have been. Mm-mm. But they boasted in the news. They were like, "This place is the best. It's so elegant. It costs <laughs> over a million dollars, and it's absolutely fireproof."
0: Yeah, fucking right. Did they actually advertise that it was fireproof? Yeah, well, because in the
1: newspapers, because
0: back then there were fires, fires, fires happening left and right at theaters, and everyone was perishing because yeah. they were freaking stuck. Right. They had
1: flammable fucking curtains. Well, theaters were super dangerous, but this place was especially dangerous. I'm going to tell you what happened. December 30th, 1903, the Iroquois was hosting a matinee showing of its first and only performance, y'all. Good God. Called Mr. Bluebeard. Not to be confused with Blackbeard. Mr. Bluebeard. I was going to say. (laughs) This was a musical, a musical comedy from New York. Oh. It was, a, it was a vague plot about a man who married a woman and then married the, and then oh, he married a woman and then murdered them, hiding their bodies in a closet. Ew. Cute. Yeah, it was a real cute play. Heartfelt. <laughs> <laughs> but these folks never got to see the ending. Oh. Uh. The Arrow the managed to sell out to 1,700 people, you guys. And there, they even sold a few hundred extra tickets for a standing room. Like oh my. The place was packed. Yeah. Midway through the show, a stage light sparked. Shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Catching the highly flammable backdrop, as we know. Like, these things in the theater were highly flammable, and they were using fire to light.
0: The lamps. You know,
1: the lamps. Yeah, so the crew backstage did their best to snuff out the flames they attempted to use the Kyle Kyle fire which is a sort of fire Mm -hmm. extinguisher made of powder but the fire was above the stage at this point so they couldn't really throw the powder onto the flames and it instantly spread and the audience immediately knew something was wrong so as the crowd started to panic Eddie Foy, who is a Vaudevillian actor, came on stage. He was like, no worries, you guys, but just everybody leave.
0: Right? (laughs) (laughs) No worries, but leave.
1: Yeah. He tried to calm him down. Don't, you know, but get out. (laughs) I mean,
0: that's the the best thing you can do in a panic situation is, like, have people calmly exit. Well, yeah. Because when people start running and freaking out, everyone dies. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Cause uh, Yep, exactly. Unfortunately, no one listened to Eddie. Of course. People rushed out of their seats, and this place was built without clear exit signs above the doors. Great. So actually, a lot of things changed <laughs> after this fire happened because they realized they made a lot of mistakes in this building and did not help save these people. So, yeah, the doors didn't have exit signs. People didn't know where to go. And they were getting trapped in, you know, in the building. But the people that did find these exit doors, there was like this popular um, lock at the time that was hard to open. And so a lot of people couldn't open these exit doors. And if they could, the exit doors opened To Towards the inside. So with all the people rushing towards the exit doors. The people at the doors couldn't get them open.
0: So trapped. Excellent.
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) On stage. They were still trying to get the fire out. I mean the smoke was going everywhere. They tried to lower this asbestos fire curtain. That got snagged on a lighting equipment. And it only lowered halfway. So like. Catastrophe. There was a skylight above the stage that was there in case a fire happened, but the skylight was so well locked they couldn't get it open and all the smoke filled the room.
0: God bless. Mm -hmm.
1: They really made it
0: fireproof, huh?
1: They really did. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Jesus.
1: When somebody finally got one of the doors to the a backstage when like a cast member got one of the backstage doors open, it let in a cold gust of air and it fed the flames so much that it blew like a gust fireball out at them, which, Oh my God. Yeah. Tragically for those on the upper level, their fate was like even worse. They obviously tried to exit the theater and head back to the main staircase to the lobby But they found themselves locked inside on the upper level by metal accordion doors. So, like, Titanic all over again.
0: What a horrible, horrible way to go. Like, oh, my God.
1: Back then, it was apparently customary to lock people in the upper levels when the house was sold out because they didn't want people to sneak down to the expensive seats. Which, like,
0: (laughs) okay. Classist. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Bullshit.
1: So a lot of those people on the upper level, they were trying to find other ways out, obviously. A couple people found doors that led to fire escapes, but these escapes were so frozen over that they couldn't be lowered all the way down to the ground. Uh. So in panic, people just began jumping to the brick alley below. And that's how a lot of people died, was, you know, jumping. Um, Actually, some of them... Sur- survive because their faults were cushioned by the by ones other that had people jumped before oh mm. yeah um, horrible um so the alley death alley as they call it or the alley of death on couch place like that's where they were jumping and landing um the tenants on the other in the other building were obviously they noticed the panic and so they wanted to help and they were sending ladders over that extended out to the windows to try to get those stuck uh, so they could crawl across safely but of course like it's not a great safe way to do things and so a lot of those people fell and died um overall the fire lasted about like 30 minutes but claimed the lives of over 600 people
0: I mean, in the in the world of fires like that, that's a fairly long fire. Yeah. Especially for people to be trapped inside of like.
1: It's gruesome. Yeah, that's a horrible way to go. You know, the majority of the dead that weren't found in the theater were found outside. And they said that they on couch place, the bodies were piled up to like six feet high.
0: God. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus.
1: Yeah. And so, and even like as the recovery work began, the burned bodies from inside the Iroquois were even stacked up in the alley mm. before they were taken Mm-mm. to the mortuaries to await their identification. Um, But yeah, tragic, like awful. And as Melissa said, it's like very, it was in the Chicago Tribune. Like, I feel like it should be more famous than it is because it's like super you know, horrible, but they try to keep it yeah. a secret because the Niederlander theater is still running and having people in and out of their doors and they don't want people to get scared. Uh, but the alley is pretty haunted.
0: And Appar- I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Apparently that people can feel like a ton of cold spots in the alley um, you can even hear faint cries from people that from uh, voices that are not there. Apparitions are seen. There's feelings of being touched or even pushed by invisible entities. And it's just a real sad, spooky place.
0: Oh, uh, I, I, I bet a lot of those people, like the tut, the pushing is like maybe people who are trapped, like still th- Thinking that they can get yeah, out, it's frantic. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah totally. that, what the death count I think was like six hundred or something. Yeah, that's what uh, I read. Oh, uh, it's just horrible. But yeah, of course it's haunted.
1: Yes, but the good news is they did learn from. I mean, it's not good news at all, actually. But we did learn from it because I had no idea that exit signs were not on doors until after that well there's that, <laughs> there's, that. <laughs> there's that then the exit doors go outwards instead of in so
0: silly yeah i don't f- to boast how fireproof you are is pretty freaking bold if you ask me yeah.
1: <laughs> i know like where did they even get that from
0: what? i think because like i Like I mentioned earlier, there were a lot of theater fires. Like, I think we've even talked about a few. And I remember from some other stories that curtains were always freaking flammable. Yeah, but like, why would
1: you ask, like, who was the, did the builder come to the newspaper and was like, look, like, we lined the walls with this lining. I bet they were just trying to, like, (laughs) quell the fears of
0: people who had, like, heard about recent fires in theaters and were like, we really did it. You're going to be safe here. So they they, just straight up -hmm." lied. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: I love it. I mean, it sounds like they're... Yellow journalism. Yeah, pretty money-hungry based on the fact that, like, they even sold standing room tickets to, like, an already sold-out place. So... (laughs) <laughs> and then they're trapping us plebs I upstairs. I know. I'm like, well,
1: where did those standing people stand if you if you, you know, if they're Just like in, in the
0: aisles? On top of people's <laughs> fucking heads. Yeah. I don't know.
2: I man. I, uh, tragic. Probably the aisles, which is another fire hazard.
0: Exactly.
1: <sighs> the past was wow, insane. Wow.
0: They didn't think that one through. They really didn't. Ooh.
1: You live and you learn.
0: Yeah, and you get exit signs. Or you die and you
1: learn. Or you, you die and you learn.
0: Yeah, someone else learns from you dying. Is <laughs>
1: yep. the thing. So it, so it goes.
0: Whew. Wow, Illinois is not playing games, are they? <laughs> no. Damn. No. Well, I
1: really think they're trying to keep their haunts a secret from us.
0: Yeah, because mine was secret. Although Kylie's, I think uh, I read that they offer ghost tours so
1: yeah yeah and a haunted house
0: so they're not playing games but um yeah yeah, you can also tour the the dana house they just don't talk about the hauntings but it sounds like on the low people (laughs) will talk about the hauntings so we love it we love it damn well that was next
1: time a fun
0: one but filled with tragedy
1: i know i am so out of it right now I could
0: cry. Uh, well, please don't <laughs> cry. <laughs> I
1: won't. Well, I'll laughing save it that, for that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Laugh at my tears, Kylie. Laugh at
0: them. No, no, no. All right, what? kids. Well, we had fun, and uh until next time, see spooky. Ooh- <laughs>